0: Welcome, everybody, to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind, brought to you by Old Firehouse School. My name is Alexandra Dutton. I'm the program director of Old Firehouse School Lafayette. And today I have two guests with me, Garrett O'Brien, who is a program director of Old Firehouse School in Mill Valley, and Susie Cole, who's a program director of White Pony Preschool, which is part of the Mayor schools. I always forget, Susie, are you in Walnut Creek or Lafayette? We're in Lafayette on the border. Great. And Garrett's been teaching since 2016, Susie for about 40 years, me for about 20 years. So between the three of us, we've got a lot (laughs) of knowledge of early education under our belt. What we will be doing today is talking about preschool and the ways that families and educators can work together to support the growth of children. As we are all in the beginning of our school year This is really a great opportunity to help understand the role of preschool in the life of a child. I think that when we have our open houses, our our tours, and all the other ways that we introduce families to our school, and we share with families how we educate children, it paints this really beautiful picture for families about what our philosophy is like, what interactions at our school look like. And then, you know, families enroll with us. But what sometimes gets trickier is actually that first day of school or that first month of school and remembering that each child and each family are different and are going to have different needs. And also that preschool and home are just going to be different. So Garrett and Susie, I'd love for you to share, when you are working with families and children, what are your ultimate goals? And Susie, since you've been doing this for longer, if you can start.
1: Sure, i will be glad to. So I think, especially at this time of year, it's really to communicate to people that it's a process in the beginning. So all the little steps, like as you said, of having the open house, having the tour and so forth, to meet the teacher, and kind of just trusting that, the teachers are experts on helping children to separate, helping them to feel safe in the environment, and that your child's participation is going to look really different in a few months and by the end of the year, very different. But each child is so different. Their background, especially now having been home, pandemic sometimes with very little interaction with others, that for parents to be able to empathize With children, what it's like to go into a whole new situation, and it takes time to even sensorily feel safe in that environment. When the parent and teacher can work together, kind of the teacher coaching the parent, how to help them and support them and pointing out how they are adjusting. They're also adjusting to having a schedule and not just eating anytime they want or nap anytime they want, but being able to interact with so many different people. But especially at this time of year, it's really understanding that this is a whole process that takes a while.
0: I think you're really hitting the nail on the head, Susie, with a lot of the goals that we have as program directors where we are operating a school and it's a group setting. It's a preschool setting where there's many children, not just one. So it is going to be different. And building that trust in the very beginning is so important. And there's various ways that all of our schools do that. But even with all of that trust, it will still just take some time. Garrett, what about you? You're relatively new to directing. What are some of your goals when you're working with families and children?
2: From what I've been bringing in from the teaching experience is with that trust of trying to help families understand how that trust can be built with a stranger that you're about to give your child to, and also on the flip side, letting the teachers understand how the parents are going to be feel. They're like, yes, we're ready. We're prepared. We did everything we need to. But no matter how ready the parent seems, they still are dropping off their child to somewhere that they just got an hour view at one time and hoped for the best. Letting the parents know that kind of what Susie was saying, to trust in where they had put us or put their child that we are going to be there for them, even though it is a group setting and your child may not get 100% of the attention. They are factored into every decision that is made, even if it's about another child, because we take that whole concept into mind of no child left out and things like that, so that the children are able to transition in easier and slowly. It opens up the blinds a little bit for the parent to get a better grasp that we actually are helping their child. The things we're saying are not just to appease to them, but their child is happy here. They're comfortable here. And then that bittersweet moment comes when the child runs away and just waves goodbye without looking at them and like, oh, okay, there it is. Depending on past experiences, it's their first child coming in out of COVID, whatever a family's history is also taking that greatly into consideration for how they will perceive a new situation and also how they expect a new situation to be because they paid money to be in a place and they want to have a certain level of control from their view, but then realizing that that control is more the teamwork between them and the teacher. And then that's how they can have what they may see as best for the child for in the moment, and then showing them how that kind of adapts for the group.
0: That's great that you mentioned the teamwork and really the partnership. I think that that's one of the real things that all of us work on, and not just in the beginning of the year, but throughout the time that any family is with us, that we want there to be a partnership and a trust, that it's not just we're going to do everything in the school the way we choose to, and you don't get any say, but we want to respect the different family traditions, the different families' ways of communicating, the different children's ways of interacting in the world, and build a partnership, build off of that. And then as That partnership is being built, we are able to also consider the needs of all of the children, whether it's social, emotional growth, cognitive growth, and really help families understand the benefit of children learning in groups of peers, of children with other children, rather than just with adults, because that that is one of the things that's special about a preschool is that there's going to be 10 three-year-olds or six, two-year-olds, which is never the case most of the time in your own home. There are so many ways that children learn really well with peer groups and with the adult supervising and guiding, but they learn differently in that way than they would at home where it's maybe one adult for one child or two adults for one child. That is essentially the goal from what I'm hearing from both of you is developing trust and partnership. Because once we have that, then the rest of the year can come on and get to do all the other things that we want to do all the the curriculum the project work the the ways that children get to experience our schools so you've talked a little bit both of you about some challenges that might happen like specifically in the beginning of the year when of course when that trust is being built but i'm sure that you've had the experience susie where it's not just in the beginning of the year that you might have some challenges what are some other challenges that might make that partnership a little bit tricky
1: I think one of the things we talked about yesterday is also in our roles as director is helping the parent understand the teacher's point of view, too. Because thinking about a child who had their nanny had always had them nap in a stroller. And then coming to preschool, there was no way that they wanted to lie down on a cot. But the parent felt like that immediately they should be able to transition to be successful the first day of becoming a napper or something. That whole partnership of realizing that there's some steps in doing that. You know, there's many things parents often will say, like, did my child make a friend? yet?" like with a two-year-old or something. Understanding what play is like at different ages. And if somebody said, I overheard somebody say that they didn't want to play with their child or something and how hurtful that is. Just helping them to understand the world of preschool and how we're coaching for social emotional skills and what kind of process that's like. It's a process of parents also learning about preschool and the kinds of skills that we're trying to build and also learning about the teachers. We want the children to attach to the teachers. Very important for us and also for the parents to to trust the teachers. For many people, the first time they've ever gotten feedback about their child as an individual, they haven't seen them in a group before.
0: That is a really good point, Susie. That is a wonderful role of a preschool teacher, but also sometimes one that can be a challenging one because, right, maybe the only other person that's giving you feedback about your child is going to be a grandparent or maybe (laughs) the pediatrician that you see for all of 20 minutes every six months. And it's very different than, yes. oh, your child, when surrounded by five other two year olds, is going to react this way right, over the right. course of several days in school versus when they're in a park and they, sure, they see other kids, but it's just going to be different. It's be That's different. a really good point. I think the idea of things taking time and things being different, the thing that I think all families know, but sometimes seeing it in action is like, oh, okay, of course, school and home are different. There are not, nine, 10, three-year-olds at your house. But at school, the teacher has to have a lot of boundaries and a lot of clear rules and routines because she's managing that many children. And so while of course, the teacher is going to connect with your child, the relationship that the children have with the teacher is not the same. And it shouldn't be the same between the parent and the child. And I just always remember I had been a teacher for 15 years, 10 years when I had my first child. And I've always thought of myself as nap queen at our school that I could put any toddler, any group of two year olds, I could put them all down for a nap by myself in a classroom of like eight, 10 children. And then I had my own child and I I can't put my own baby to bed. Like, what is this? (laughs) This is such a nightmare. Like I'm doing all the things that I've told myself I wasn't going to do. I'm rocking her to sleep all night. I'm ending up co sleeping, even though I didn't think I was going to because that's the only way she slept. And then she started school here at about five months old. And within two weeks, Margie, who's like, you know, our toddler expert here at our school was able to get her to go down by just laying down on her (laughs) crib and falling asleep. And I'm like, how did you do that? And there was a little bit of guilt that I had as a parent. Why couldn't I do that? But also a relief of like, oh, thank goodness. A different adult is right. able to understand my child and have a different relationship and be able to do something with my child that I was thinking, gosh, she's never going to be able to sleep by herself. This is going to be the hardest year of my life. And then learning like, oh, there are different ways to handle this. And even someone who is an educator has been in the field for a while. I was still learning new things with my own children. So it is it is just something to remember that there's just a difference between what home is like and what school is going to be like and being able to accept that those differences exist.
2: So some of the challenges to jump off of what Susie was talking about with like getting the parents to see from our point of view, helping educate them. And then also, this is the first time they've ever received feedback. That kind of can be another challenge that arises where their expectations versus the realities of group care come through. Maybe they've come from a nanny situation or daycare where there's a lot of individual one-on-one attention, more flexibility for longer hours for like a family that may be on call. And so their night, their days could start midday to late or vice versa. But Sometimes they lose sight of the fact that there's a lot of logistics in this of traffic and drop off. What's the school located next to how many other schools or pickups and things like that days off that we have illnesses, how hard drop off and pickups could be. Because even sometimes when parents come to pick up their child, if the child had a really hard drop off that could carry through and they still feel that emotion of like, I'm upset to see you now. I don't want to go home with you. And then that adds another 15, 10 minutes to wait. We're supposed to get the other child. They're supposed to go to swim practice. The expectations of a child behaving at home when it's a lot more controlled and at their moment in life, what they can predict versus meeting into a new situation that is now every child they see, they don't know that predictability of them. So it's all random chaos in their eyes. And so just not knowing that your child will see a new place differently can be very hard to accept. And then also with the way they're pushed to go to school so quickly, or they might just be that they need to find care because both the parents need to work or something like that. The sometimes losing sight of what they're trying to bring their child to, whether are you here because you need child care and you need someone to care for your child, be with them and know they're safe with them, or do you need those same things plus what a school offers of the enriching the child, challenging the child and setting up routine and expectations that they'll be able to turn into skills to carry on from farther out?
0: I think those are all All things that are that do make it a bit of a puzzle for both schools and families where everybody wants the best for that child. But it's sometimes not as simple as great. They got into this school and I'm so happy that there's going to be many, many pieces that are part of that and we do all want it to work out. We do all want it to flow in a way that is going to work for families. Hopefully what families who are listening to this are hearing is that it it just all will take a lot of time and a lot yeah. of, a lot of trust and a lot of building these different skills. The teachers do want to work with families and work through a lot of these different things, but it really does take some good communication and some good time to build that relationship and to keep working. I'm going to, put out one other thing that I think is something we should all think about. And I don't know that we have a great answer for this, but there are going to be a few times where teachers and parents might actually have opposing goals. A simple one could be the family. And I run into this all the time who is like, I am going to do the potty training method where they are going to do it over the weekend and they're going (laughs) to be done. And it's like, that is great for you to do that at home. And in a school where children are crawling on the floor, three or four or five or six different children are wanting to ride the same bike and your child has a potty accident on that bike. It is an issue where I can't just let them try to potty train at school. And that sometimes can feel like you're making our child go backwards, working to help the families think about what can we do in a classroom setting that's going to be safe for all the children Hygienic for all the children and help your child with potty training. Sometimes those are not going to be on the same timeline. It's not that we don't want your child to be potty trained, but the timeline is going to be really different. So that's one example. What do you think, Susie, about when there might be uncomfortable topics that are discussed at school? We had a conversation that some four year olds had about death a few months ago and like what happens after somebody dies. And it was really uncomfortable for the parents to know that their children were having this conversation when the teacher shared, just so you know, this came up. I didn't bring it up, but I was there to guide it. And here's what was said. So what do you do in those situations?
1: It comes up too about gender. We do have kids in our elementary school who are transgender. And so things will come up when gender is talked about in the kindergarten or might be in preschool when a dad doesn't like seeing his son wearing a dress or something like that. I think it even came up about saying girls can do anything boys can do. And it's really like a whole communication process as far as our values about diversity. And even we have so many diverse cultures and languages. We had 20 different languages a few years ago to be aware of and to listen to the family's values.
0: Yes, I think it has to be a conversation. And I think that in a lot of ways, it can boil down down to this idea that we continue to come back to is trust. Even if you're uncomfortable with something that might be being discussed in the classroom, do you trust the school? Do you trust the teachers to do what is right and fair for everybody, even if you are uncomfortable? And maybe that can be something for us to reflect on of like, what about this makes us uncomfortable? Let's discuss this a little bit. Let's talk about it. Whether it starts in preschool or is something that happens in elementary school and as the children continue to get older, that kind of thing is going to happen a lot. And it can be an opportunity to share values, what's important to us and for all of us to learn. But sometimes it is going to be a more difficult challenge. But a communication is so much an important part of how that can work and how we can move through these moments.
1: I think just for us to be able to hear, we always want our children to always feel that we have the best in our hearts. Everybody's point of view is always to have it be the best for the child. And you know it comes up because we have kids with special needs too. And we want parents to trust that we want our children to be exposed to all different types of people and children. And we don't want it to be that if a child hits or something and the parents like this child shouldn't be in the class. We want to foster the feeling of trying to help all children and be compassionate towards all children. We're all about learning about their individual differences and what they need in order to succeed.
2: Definitely has been more challenges the last two, two and a half years for sure with whether people are now still realizing it as we get slowly from it being as lockdown prevalent that these children didn't have much exposure, any anxiousness that the parents have built up. Those children absorb that since those are the people that are around most. And it's really hard sometimes for parents to gauge and change their expectations for how the world has shifted. Like for them, they went through and it was a very big blip. Both children, this is all they've known coming in. And especially if they were born within the last two, three years, but children's sensitivity and emotional regulation It's never good at this age. They don't know that exists, but it definitely takes a little bit more coaxing to get them either level-headed or to turn it down a little and get them to hear you better just because there's been so much that they've taken around from the community, from their family, from the background, news, radio, whatever it is they hear. Teachers and parents sometimes forget how much they're sponges in many ways besides just kind of what they learn from playing or things like that. And it's just been an interesting readjustment for teachers of having to change our expectations of how developmentally quickly a child at some age should be, quote unquote, getting what to do emotionally or getting what to do in a situation when it could be, yes, that child is three. This is the first group care they've ever been in their life beyond a plated of two to three kids with their cousins, their best friends, the people that the parents would make sure it goes perfectly because they all want everyone to be friends together and things like that. And it's been a slower process, but not in a negative way, because it has us reevaluating how you need to address this with children, which kind of spills into what Susie was saying of accepting children with special rights or special needs, being a little bit more flexible kind of helps with that of being able to see when there's bigger gaps in that social emotional development.
0: I think There's the anxiety or just the not knowing that children may have about how to be in a school setting, but also the adults around them are all more anxious. The teachers are more anxious. The parents are more anxious. I mean, teachers didn't have parents in the classroom the last two and a half, three years. And now parents are hanging out. And now that's wonderful that we're getting back to that. But now we also have parents who are like, is this normal that child over there is crying? And like, uh, yes, it is normal. But I can see it's making you anxious. (laughs) And how, how can we all support each other in the anxiety that we globally have kind of had to experience together? And however, we feel like it's manifesting in us. And I think that's a lot of things to consider as well. Just giving everyone a little bit of grace and understanding that this is a situation that even if the majority of the world has gone back to normal, quote unquote, normal, we are changed. All the adults are changed. So we can't really go back to how it was. And the children are not the same either. So understanding that that's just a difference.
1: I feel like the pandemic that time period has also had a positive effect because I do feel that parents are aware and more compassionate that their child hasn't been around people. and they say, you know he hasn't been around anyone all these years. You know that it softens that idea that things should just happen immediately, which is nice if that we the teachers are aware of it, the parents are aware of it. And that it takes time.
0: Yes, I see that too. I agree. And I think just to wrap things up, clearly trust is something that has to be built and it takes time. And the teachers will work on building that trust with you and the school will work on building that trust with you in so many different ways. So I hope that all the emails that you may be getting or newsletters or or things work for families as a way for you to understand that this is how we're trying to show you that we see your child, that we are getting to know your child, that your child is doing okay. It also, again, has to be that understanding that home and school are going to be different and that We have a lot of wonderful things that happen at schools that your children just simply can't do at home because there are other children around or because you have qualified educators here who know how to create really amazing circle times or set up really wonderful art experiences and that our goals are really to help your child thrive and learn in a really dynamic, child-centered environment and also learn how to build relationships with others, peers and other adults. And then all of this is just going to take time. And every child's ability to do these things will be different for every child. And that communication is just so, so important that we will continue to communicate with you. And we hope that you can continue to work with us. Any kind of final thoughts from both of you about how this school year is going or other things families can know?
1: I think we're really blessed to be in this time period where we're aware that, wow, if we wanted parents to be able to come in the classroom, now we can do it and just bring more awareness to it of involving people in meaningful ways that they will enjoy and I think benefit from and learn from the teachers and also be sensitive to the teachers and and vice versa. So just to be aware that this period is kind of a bridge when we're learning how to do that again in an even better way.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Garrett. And thank you, Susie, so much for being on this podcast with me. And I hope I get to talk with you again about something else pretty soon. So thank you again for all of your knowledge and your experience. Thank you so much for listening to Fireside Chats on the Young Mind, brought to you by Old Firehouse School. Please remember that you can also follow us on Instagram Instagram and on Facebook, and I think on TikTok as well. And we hope that you keep listening to us and subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. Thank you so much.